You can triple the number of first-time guests that your church welcomes in as little as 90 days. And today's episode will teach you how. This is the Digital Missions Podcast. Yo, welcome back to the Digital Missions Podcast, where our goal is to help you reach your first million people with the gospel. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and here's the thing. Good digital missionaries are effective not only at reaching people with the gospel where they are at through social media, but good digital missionaries also know how to leverage modern tools to bring those same people into a physical community like a church space. My guest for today, his name is also Justin. He's a church communicator and content marketing strategist, helping churches across the country see more first-time guests walk through the front doors of the church by leveraging a few key strategies. Today's episode explores why no one seems to care about your church and what to do about it instead. Justin, thanks so much for hanging out with us Thank today. you for having me, Justin. I, I appreciate the opportunity to share some of my heart, my passion, my desire. I love that intro because my personal vision is to see one million churches in America become the cornerstone of their communities. And to do that on the way, hey. we're going to reach a million people. So I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And for anyone listening, whether you're in a local church, whether you're in an established church, planting church or a digital church trying to plant in, in, the, in people's minds online to get their attention and point it back to Jesus. Whatever you're doing, I want this to be the most valuable 30 minutes of your ministry of the year, of 2023. So pay attention. I talk fast. I've been told, Justin, slow down. Hey, we got to get through a lot, right? Justin put me on a timeline here, so we're going to go quick, I but I want this to be super valuable. So I'm going to throw a lot of stuff at you. Be ready to listen to this multiple times, not just for Justin's analytics, but for you to understand what it's going to take to get people to not only know of your church, but to be in relationship and connection and discipleship with your church. Let's get it going, man. I'm excited. Oh, man, I love it. Coming out of the gates, just swinging for the fences, ready to go. I'm excited about this. You and I talked in the background before jumping on the comms. And you were talking about a church that you were working with that was saying something like two or three people per month. This is probably the majority of churches out there in America, maybe even around the world, who knows? They're struggling to get any kind of notoriety, trying to get any kind of traction. Seems like they're just, we're walking up the, up the hill barefoot in the snow both ways. It's, oh man, it's difficult. But you were able to take a church that was seeing three guests per month, all the way up to 30 guests per month. Walking through a couple of really repeatable and intentional strategies, and I'm really excited to explore this because even if this doesn't quite deliver on tripling your church guests, but hey, you saw one new person come into the kingdom because of this, I think it's time worth it. So let's dive on into this and let's talk about what is making the difference for churches. Or maybe let's start with this. What is the pain point? What are the mistakes that most churches are making and when it comes to the way that they position themselves out there. Sure. In the world. And and for the full context, I am talking about mostly the American church. That's my experience. That's my calling. Some of the things we talk about work even better overseas. Some of them don't necessarily work overseas, but messaging is one thing that connects us all. And one thing that we see, a problem that we hear from a lot of churches that come to us looking to partner with us to help them reach more people through modern marketing methods is we hear the same three problems. They're too generic. Hmm. They're overwhelming the people they are reaching. Hmm. And they leave the ball in their court. They leave all the decision making up to the people that they're reaching. And as hmm. a church, I understand the uh, ideal of we don't want to be overbearing. We don't want to be harassing. We don't want to be overwhelming people. But you have to understand that, first of all, you're already overwhelming them with everything you're throwing at them. 
And then B, if you don't follow up with them, if you don't take initiative of the conversation, of the relationship, of the invite, they're going to forget about you. Because you and I know that as soon as us good Christian boys leave the church, we're not necessarily thinking about what we just heard in the sermon. We're on our way to lunch. We're trying to get the kids in the car. Now we're home. We're thinking about nap, right? It's very easy, even as church-going believers, to quickly exit that that space, and especially as men, right? Because we compartmentalize everything. But even more so, if someone hears about your church and you just say, okay, let me know if you want anything. We'll be here if you want me. Yeah, they're not going to do anything. And so we have to take control of that and take that back and really learn the modern marketing methods that allow us to not leave the decision-making up to them, but really to guide them in a journey to discover Jesus. So at the end, they have no choice but to say, I want that. Tell me more. Yeah. I I think it's interesting. We're talking about the idea of not being a generic church, but being really pointed in your messaging, being very clear about the value proposition that you bring to the table. And I think that a lot of pastors, when they start this journey, they realize, wow, it's a lot of work to be very simple. You might think that it's easier to be simple, but truth is it actually requires more work to say less. And so because of that, it feels, it feels unnatural. It feels like this is contrived and this is forced. Therefore, it's not right to do. And I think that what you're trying to challenge us with is in order for people to really appreciate and to hear your message, some attention needs to be focused on what are you actually communicating so that you're not overwhelming them with too many words, too many different options. Just be clear, straight to the point, what are you about and how are you going to help them in their own lives? Absolutely. And a lot of pastors think we are simple, right? We're disciples who make disciples. You did it best, right? I love that you're using the marketing language because I know oftentimes I don't use it because pastors just don't understand it. But you talk about pain points. So I'm assuming your audience knows pain points, right? Pastors, mm-hmm. to, to, to them, to church leaders, we're a church who makes disciples. That's simple. You can't get any simpler than that. Mm-hmm. But you will be hard-pressed to go out in your community and find people that stay up late at night because they can't sleep, tossing and turning. They wake up wondering, why won't somebody make me a disciple? That is not something that is hurting people, that is affecting mm-hmm. people. They've got financial issues, they've got relationship issues, they've got health issues, they've got outrage issues, anger issues, lust issues, addiction issues, abuse issues, overwhelmed with everything going on at work, their kids don't listen to them, husbands are sleeping on the couch, wives are feeling uh, ignored by their husbands, relationships are dying, crime is up, divorce is up, and you're sitting here saying, oh, we're over here to make you a disciple. That's not what's the number one thing on the plate. That should be. But if we just sit here talking in our own language and we feel good about ourselves, Mm -hmm. we automatically disconnect from the people we're trying to reach. Because Jesus, even though he spoke in parables that weren't understood at the time, and he talked in very radical different ways, blessed are the meek, what is this guy talking about? If I think about lusting, that's the same as committing adultery, this guy's crazy. But he used simple language, but also he met people where they were. He fed people, he healed people. He gave them the things that they needed so that then they would pay attention to the things he said. And in the same way, as a church, we need to address the needs, felt and real, that people are having so that we can show, number one, we empathize with them, we understand where they are, they feel understood, and number two, we can demonstrate that we've been where they are and we found everlasting water. We found the well that never runs out. And if we can show that we can understand, they'll lean in a little bit. So when we present Jesus, they'll understand this is something that I need to take serious 
Because again, no one's going to, if you just walk up to someone in the grocery store, hey, can I make you a disciple? You're going to get a lean out. There is a church that we talked to today that in their one-liner, they use the word restore relevant relationship to the local church. And, and there was even more words than that, and I don't remember what it was. And one of the things we talked about was that's a great message for Christians, but outsiders are going to feel even further outside because they don't understand what that means. Righteousness, everyone has their own definition of righteousness. So what does that mean? It doesn't even have to use less words, but it needs to communicate the picture clearly, number one, to get them to lean in, and number two, to showcase how you can meet their needs and more. Because if you just start with more, it's going to be tough. It's why workout problems, workout programs don't uh, advertise, hey, lose over 100 pounds in a year. That's daunting. That sounds hard. But seven pounds in seven days, I could do that, right? Like we understand that we just have to meet an immediate need and we use that to bring people along the journey. And as a church, it's a journey to find Jesus. Did that make sense? So in order, <laughs> I think so. In order for churches to find success in reaching more people in their community, we actually have to start thinking about them, not mm -hmm. ourselves. And we need to be able to be relevant. It, it just brings me back to the early 2000s where relevant was the buzzword. At least in, in my group, my circle, it was always like, why is a church so irrelevant? And it's probably because of this, that how often were the church leaders thinking about the felt needs of their congregants? And when you get to, 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 to church and you start teaching about this random passage in the book of Hezekiah, that's a joke. There's no book Hezekiah. Don't go looking. It's not there. But you start just, I remember sitting in youth group one day and someone just started their message with, turn with me to the book of Ezra chapter three. It's okay, cool. Something there I'm sure is meaningful. It's valuable, but what is it? And if you don't tell me at the very beginning, chances are my ADD is already going some other direction. I'm not even with you anymore by the time that you get to the good stuff. And so one of the things that I think that pastors need to realize is that you're competing with the rest of the world. Every time you post online, if you're running an advertisement or it's just an organic post, you're literally competing with other content creators in every other niche and industry. Therefore, you need to be very clear at the very beginning. What is the value proposition? Why should someone actually care? Because if you're not addressing one of their needs, it's very easy to ignore. So step one, get clear about your message. Give them a reason to care about you because you show that you care. And, about not, them. and not only that, I think a big thing we miss as churches, before we move on to the next step, and I'm going to give you a, a really clear example, and I hope I don't mess it up, is not only addressing sure. their needs, because again, we can sound tone deaf as church leaders and churches, right? Are you broke mm. like a joke? Jesus can help you. Where's <laughs> the connection, sure. right? Are you yeah. unhealthy? Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Come so mm. Jesus can heal you right? You're on to something there, but you're still asking questions. Everyone's sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's like a great marketing message I hear from everyone, right? Even makeup brushes use that phrase. Mm -hmm. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Look, stop looking sick. Uh, really what it is, it's meeting people where they are and speaking their language so they can then be understood and then you can make that invite. A great example is similar to what that was, okay? Come to first so-and-so, Bill and Ted's Excellent Church, because God wants to meet you here and he wants to heal what ails you Sundays at 1030. Okay. A lot of churches would say, that's great. I love that. You're hitting God. You're hitting in the invite. You got the time in there, the call to action. That's fantastic. Okay. No, here's what that message really needs to look like. So we took that message and we figured out who this church is equipped to serve. What have they done? What is God doing in the church? What is their gifts? We believe every church is uniquely equipped to uniquely reach a unique group of people. So with that, you need to have a unique message that resonates with them. 
So instead of, hey, come to Bill and Ted's Excellent Church because God wants to meet you and he wants to heal you Sundays at 1030, instead it's the world has its boot on your neck and, and it feels every time you take an inch forward in progress, something drags you back and you're right back where you started or you're even worse off. And no matter what you try, nothing is getting you where you want to go. Nothing is fulfilling you and you're left desperate, alone, and sick and at the bottom of a well. The good news is you don't have to stay that way. There is hope and healing at, at our church, Bill and Ted's Excellent Church. God wants to meet you here. He wants more for you, and that can be found here. We want to meet you. We want to share with you what Jesus can do in your life. Click this button right now and download the health and healing guide or whatever it is, like whatever they're doing, okay? And then we initiate that relationship. It's not, we hope to see you later. It's not, we're just another church. It's, I understand where you are. I understand what you're going through, and I understand why it hasn't worked. But God can conquer all of that, and here's what you need to do right now. That's the kind of message we mm -hmm. want to develop for your church that generates action, and it generates a relationship. This is one of those things that I think it's, it's easy to overlook. How do you get to the point where you upgrade your first iteration to that last iteration, which was much better, well done? How do you get clarity on what words you should be using? And I think it's as simple as literally asking your audience. How are you feeling? What is your life like? And getting clear on not only the problems, but the way that they describe the yep. problems. Because it's easy for us, and I think there's a, a truth to this, that Jesus is the answer. There's whatever ailment, whatever pain, whatever problem that you got, there, there is an answer found in Jesus. However, if you just run at it like that, it may feel very disconnected. But as you spend time listening to people and hearing the way that maybe three to five, 10 people who all struggle with the same thing what are the words that they're using to describe their pain points? If you end up being able to echo some of those words back to them, it shows that you've heard them. It shows that you have an empathy towards them. It shows that their specific existence is not unique, that there is hope. And it, it, it comes down to listening. It comes down to being able to ask them questions about what their life story is like. So then you can craft a message that actually resonates And, and the best them. part is it writes itself for you. The the whole first part of that, does, mm -hmm. it, does it feel like the world has its boot on your neck. I would never say that. That's what they say. Does it feel like whenever mm. you move forward an inch, they, it's something drags you back and you're back where you started or worse off? People would say that. It feels like every time I take a step forward, I end up three steps backwards. They're telling us what mm -hmm. to say. And look at who your church is equipped to serve. Now, with church plants, it's a little different because you don't have an existing congregation, but established churches you are, in spite of your lack of effort, in spite of your lack of intention, you are actually still reaching people. Why are they coming to your church? We did a survey with a church of 60, and the pastor kept telling me, we're just a small church, we're just a small church, we're just a small church. Turns out everyone, without solicitation, everyone in that survey said they chose that church because it was the smallest church in town. And they felt seen, they felt oh, heard, they felt relatable, they felt like it's something that people actually cared about. They could actually shake someone's hand. They could see because it wasn't in a huge mega church, right? We're in Houston. Sometimes there's pockets. There's nothing but large churches here. And they wanted a small one. So there is a group of people in this community that is longing for a small church. And even if it's just another 60 people, that God is calling this church to do something. And if they want to keep a small mindset, at least be a growing small mindset. So we were able to take that weakness, what pastor thought was a weakness, and turn it into a strength and say, look, we understand that you want to grow in your faith, you mm. want to walk and become a better person, but the churches around here, God bless them, 
They just aren't equipped to have a personal relationship to help you, to walk alongside with you. And while we love those churches, if that's Whoa. not what you desire, if that's not what, what you want for your kids, this is the place to do that. I want to take you out for coffee. So click the button down below, mm-hmm. schedule something for me, and let's get some coffee, right? That's what it is. It's understanding their language. So if they're saying they're choosing the church because it. it's small, let's go with that. We're an intimate church. Yeah. We're a relatable yeah. church. We're a church where you can actually shake the pastor's hand. You know, th- this is some something that's so interesting. People make assumptions about why churches get selected. And it's because they got the fog machines. They got the loud band. They've got all the flashing lights and all the things. Cool. That, that certainly does appeal to a demographic of people. Clearly, it does. But it doesn't mean that everyone does. Uh, you may have grown up and your favorite ice cream was Rocky Road, but other people would have hated that flavor and they would think you're crazy because clearly mint and chip is the best ice cream, period. And so what you're realizing is that what you feel like are limitations, what you feel like are your biggest weaknesses might actually be your hidden yep. strengths. And so doing an audit of your church and literally just asking your congregation, hey, you're the ones that are dedicated here. You're the ones that have been here for decades upon decades. You're the ones that have poured blood, sweat, and tears into this place what is it that you love about it? What, what do you think that we're doing really well? And then building your messaging from that capacity. Stop trying to be the mega church down the road and just be who God has called you and knitted you to be. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're planting a church, look at the, if you're planting a church, you should have an outrageous vision of who God wants you to reach. One of the things that we do is we ask in that situation, the kind of person that you're being called to reach, what's already grabbing their attention? What organizations, what businesses, what online profiles, what language are they using that's resonating with them? Go and see their dialogue that they have, and you'll actually find a pretty good inclination of what their needs are, what their felt needs are, based on who they follow, but then also how they interact. Because they're, who they're following or who they're paying attention to has the analytics of what's working. So you can speak into the same felt needs, but instead of finding your identity and becoming a better speed dater... They, you can f- address those same loneliness needs through Jesus. Yeah, I was telling you before we hopped on the, the microphones that one of the reasons why I wanted to chat with you is because I'm actually in the process of gaming through what it looks like to plant my own little small house church here in Hawaii. And as I'm thinking about the vision of what I want out of the church that I want to be a part of, really what I'm thinking about is my kid. I love the kind of church where kids are crying in the background, they're running around screaming. And I know that for a lot of parents, it is a bit embarrassing to show up to a brand Mm -hmm. new space, to bring your family in tow, then all of a sudden have to exit out of the sanctuary in hurried steps and hushed tones because your kid is throwing a fit. And you don't really want to have to deal with all that. For me, the selling point of the community that I want to curate is this is where your kids get to run around, freak out and yell and scream throughout the entire service and no one will look at you sideways. If you're looking for a place to do community with other parents, this is where I want it to be. This is to me, it's about building a future for my kid to grow up in community. The kinds of kids that they hang out with at the park, the kind of kids that they go to school with together, the kinds of kids that they go to the beach and surf together. I want life lived with other children my kid's age. That's what I'm looking for my house church. And, And we're not talking church shopping. That's something totally different. We're talking about effectively reaching a group of people that your church, God has equipped your church with resources and spiritual gifts to effectively reach, okay? A great example, actually, I'll use a different example than I usually use. A great example is language, right? If you're an English-speaking church, you can't reach the Korean neighborhood behind you. That's why God calls a Mm -hmm. Korean-speaking church to plant. 
But it, but going along what you said, a great example is I would love that, right? Like when I see kids freak out at restaurants, I just smile because I think of my own kids, right? I think of the community, the parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of can can I afford to can I afford to pay their dinner? I don't know. Like I, I smile. It's just they, the kids are such a blessing, even when they're hellraisers. My wife, on the other <laughs> hand, cannot focus on anything if there's a crying baby, whether it's ours or not. Mm-hmm. While some people would love that, like you, like in your family, you would love to have that freedom to worship with your children. And yeah, you're going to deal with crying babies or maybe feeding mothers in the front, whatever. But my wife can't handle that. And God bless mm-hmm. her, but she needs a more focused, reverent uh, church service. And if there are kids, it just completely disconnect, disconnects her. And it's not a bad thing. It's just a diff- It's the way God's wired us. And that's why God's called us mm-hmm. to plant different churches, because if we, if every church was supposed to be the same, every city would just have one church. We would have the first church of the yeah. United States and, and different campuses, right? But he's called so many churches, 330,000 around to, to the US and growing, hopefully, God willing, because each of us are equipped to reach a unique group of people. For some of us, it might just be four people in a house church gathering. For others, it may be a thousand mm-hmm. people because in order to tune in, to focus, to hear what God's saying, you've got to blast music to tune everything out, right? Everyone needs to be reached in a unique way. That's why we plant churches to uniquely reach those people. That's fantastic. So just to summarize where we've been so far, and then you'll take us to the next step. Number one, you need to realize that the over-communication of all the million things without specializing and, and, and getting specific about your felt needs or about the, the felt needs of your audience, that this results in people feeling overwhelmed. It, it, reveal, it results in you making your church sound like every other church. So step number two is to get clear about what is unique to your congregation What are the unique things that you bring to the table and a vision for the future that others can find appealing and felt welcomed into? Where do we go next to that? So you you communicate your message. Are there some tactical things that we want to be thinking about? How's and where do we do this? And what are some of the nitty gritties in order to be able to get this message in front of the right Number one is you got to figure out what's your one-liner. That's a story brand framework. What's the problem? What's the, how does the church address that Mm -hmm. problem? And what's the transformation afterwards? The problem, not to harp too much on the problem, but I imagine if someone walks up to you, Justin, in the grocery store and says, look, I'm on my last strike at work. We're about to get evicted next week. My wife has me sleep on my couch and my kids just got suspended from school. You're the church guy. Tell me, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do with this? Why, why is God allowing this to happen? I bet, Justin, that you would not look that gentleman in the eye and say, I'd love to help you Sunday at 1030. And by the way, your kids, they can come to VBS. We got VBS next week. Registration closes uh, the week after. And we are doing Lottie Moon this year. We're trying to raise $30,000. So you can, when the plate comes, you can donate there. You can donate online. And we have a new men's breakfast next Saturday. Uh, men, bring your hunger because we're going to have plenty of bacon. Like that. That's not how you would treat that relationally. But if that guy says, mm. again, all that, I'm not going to repeat it. And you said, man, I know it feels like the world's got his boot on your neck. And, and when you try to do something, it just pulls you right back and you're worse off. The fact is you're, you might be where you are because you haven't found the, quite the answer. And maybe there, you've been chasing worldly solutions to spiritual problems. So let's do this. Why don't you and I pray right now? And then you go into the thing, right? You have that one liner. It feels like the world's got his boot on your neck. And it feels like when you try to go forward, you get pulled back, right? If there is someone that doesn't resonate with that, that, that person is not who this church is equipped to serve. So number one is figure out what's that number one thing that you're going to really hone in on. And then that's your intro for everything, right? Your social media, your website, your Facebook page, your Facebook ads. It's, hey, I know it feels like this. I know you feel like this. For my church, we're a very discipleship heavy church. 
So we always look, we always say, look, we understand that a lot of Christians don't get their questions answered and they don't feel comfortable talking to their friends about their faith. So we exist to help give Christians a place, a safe place to have church in their home, the resources to share their faith with their friends and their family so they know that their eternity is secured and they can grow in their faith as a disciple. So like you, we understand the need, we understand the pain, then we go into the solution, how the church is presented as an answer to that pain, and then we go into the transformation that has a result because of their interaction. So that's, what it, that's the first step. Let's get that one-liner. What is the problem? How does the church answer that problem? And what's the, actually, really, it's how does Jesus answer that problem in the context of the church? And then what's the transformation that comes about? If you don't nail every part of that, you don't nail the problem, they don't feel understood, they don't know why they should care. They don't know how you can answer. If you don't nail the solution, they're going to assume you're just like the church that hurt them. You're like the church that they saw on the news. You're not the one that can answer their needs. And then the transformation, maybe I feel understood. Maybe you have an answer. But if I'm not going to come out any different, why should I care? Nail all those three things. You're going to go from three to 30 guests a month. I love it. In our last couple of minutes here, I'd love to hear about some of the success stories because this is not something that you're just talking about. The good news is you're a practitioner. Like you're literally working with churches all over the country in optimizing, sure, their online presence, but it's a lot more than that. It's about really getting down to the DNA of who this church is really about, who they are called to serve, and, and what does that actually look like? You've seen some pretty cool things taking place with some of the churches that you've been working with. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, we had the church that went from three guests a month to 30. That pastor calls me just about every month and he's like, we're seeing new faces every week. It's awesome. We've got How another fun. church that they were making such an impact in the community that they actually renamed the road after the church. We went from, I don't know, FM something to Bethel Overlook. And they're oh, actually wow. building. An, what was the kind of impact that they were having on the community? They're just feeding people, serving people. They're doing community events. It's actually in Maryland. And I guess people are hungry for family-friendly events where they are. And it's actually mm-hmm. a well-off area. And so with that comes a very busy schedules and families don't get to meet. You don't get to meet your neighbor. So they're bringing people together. They're really making an impact. And then also when weather nice. comes, they pull a lot of resources together to rebuild homes, fix roofs, get dents out of cars. So they're really making an impact there. Now, all we do, I say all we do, but what we do is we make sure that the community is aware of that. So when their congregation goes out and says, hey, you want to come to Bethel with me? They they don't say, what's that? Who's that? They say, oh, I've heard of that place. Yeah, they fixed my roof. They fixed my neighbor's roof. That's a good church. Yeah, I'll go with you, right? It makes that invite easier. I love it. Let's see. What was We had one small church, small neighborhood church, literally a neighborhood church, do a block party. And they just wanted to meet neighbors. They realized people were driving across town to come to this church. And they had thousands of people behind them that, didn't even, that barely even knew the church existed. Of course, they did all the signs and everything, block party, whatever. We ran a Facebook ad for them. And it was really about this is a, we're going to have free food. We're going to have fun for the family. But really we emphasize this is going to be a time that you're going to remember with your kids because we don't get enough of those, right? Hmm. And we had very important to any marketing effort you do, track things. So when people came in, they had to get tickets for face painting. They had to get tickets for lunch. But all they had to do was just sign in, name, email, whatever. We had in that small neighborhood church, we had 150 people come and based on what they said, how they heard us, and using the offline conversion tracking that Facebook gives us, we were able to determine that out of the 150, I think it was 151, 120 people came as a result of that Facebook ad. They saw that ad and they came. And then we double-checked that. We were like, that can't be right. 
we double checked it and we looked through all the slips and the pastor was like, yeah, only 30 of these people are our people. They had, what's the math? Four times as many neighbors. And that Sunday they had more people coming to that church that, that wasn't Easter because they had made such an outreach or I guess really it was inreach because it was their neighborhood. It was right behind them. Do you know how much you guys ended up investing on ad spend for that event? I don't remember, but if it's the typical for an event, it's usually between $100 and $200. Yeah. Talk about amazing. Like you can have 120 odd person to person, service based, interacted interactions, building memories with their kids. Like that's powerful. Yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing testimony of a church that's serving the needs of their community. I love it. There's one last story I wanted you to to close us off with here. You're talking about not just the numbers are cool, but ultimately if it doesn't touch an individual life and it doesn't actually produce some meaningful level of fruit, then like it's cool, but it's not as exciting as the one stories that reveal what the Holy Spirit has been doing. Can you talk to us about this last story about the young person? I was asleep (laughs) as all great stories start. I was asleep. It was the dead of night. I was exhausted. It was a long day. Uh, But I got a call from our youth pastor. And if you ever get a call from your youth pastor past midnight, it's never a good call. And he had told me that a young man that was part of our youth group, Chris, I knew who he was. He was at church every Sunday. He was there every other Wednesday. He was there a lot. He knew all the questions. Hmm. He was volunteering. He was on the youth sound team. We knew Chris and he was a good kid. What we didn't know is he had a lot of personal issues that he was facing that we didn't know about. And the youth pastor had called me to Hmm. tell me that night Chris was planning to take his own life. And before he did, Chris decided to check Instagram. And while he was scrolling through Instagram, he saw an Instagram ad from our church. And it was Romans 838, I think. Nothing can separate us from the love of God and no angel, demon. I'm going to mess up the verse. I won't quote it. But nothing can separate us from the love of God. And after seeing that post, Mm. Chris, instead of reaching for a razor blade, instead kept his phone in his hand and called the youth pastor. And so the call that the youth pastor gave me was not one of concern, worry, or bad news as I was expecting. It was actually one of celebration because God intervened that night and he Mm -hmm. used the work that we had done to set up for him. And as a result, Chris, we got things straightened out. He got married last year. This took place several years ago because he was in youth, right? Now he's married. And this was God intervening using the tools that we put out there, the strategy that we did to make sure that Mm. at midnight, Actually, a little bit before midnight, because Chris didn't want to see tomorrow, God intervened in what we were doing, and we used where attention was. He was doom scrolling. Mm -hmm. He was Mm -hmm. looking for reasons to hate himself, reasons to want to end it, reasons that it's not worth seeing tomorrow, but instead, he saw God. And that's what we want. I think it's such a beautiful case study of what you're talking about, because when people think about advertising... Just the word is icky to religiously oriented minds. The idea of mixing the sacred with marketing. Oh my goodness, how dare you? This is the kick the money changers out of the church kind of a thing. And yet, if people are paying attention, the type of air quotes advertising that we're talking about is really value driven first. It's about serving a person's felt need. And that's what it is. It's about providing hope and an encouragement in a moment of need. And sure, You're leveraging a paid marketing system to get that message in front of the right person, but that's just the point. It's getting the right message in front of the right person. And even if that right person is someone who literally is a part of your youth group, that is to say that it's a young person that your kids play with and your church is reaching them in a moment of need, 
then how could it, how could anything be wrong with air quotes paid advertising at that point to realize that your church can have this impact on not just your kids in your youth group, but all the people within just a five mile radius of your church through direct targeting ads, you can serve their felt needs and help them realize that Jesus is a meaningful answer. Super encouraging to hear, Justin. I want to just thank you so much for your time here today. If people want to hear more about what you do, you have a podcast and they should check it out. It is the best known church show, if I got it correct, on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to guess, and Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Talk to us about what the point of, of this podcast is and why people should consider subscribing. Well, like I said at the very beginning of this, I want to see in my lifetime a million churches become the cornerstone of their communities. And part of that is returning to the church being a trusted entity, a trusted mainstay, a trusted capstone of the community. And unfortunately, in today's world, attention drives a lot of that. Attention, people are going to follow where their attention is. And businesses, organizations, politicians have gotten great about grasping attention and keeping it on them. So we need to do even more to rise up above that. And to do that, we need to grab people's attention and be known. Because if more people would know that your local church exists, more people have the opportunity to be discipled just by simply knowing you. So we want you to be the best known. It's actually, it's hard to say, but it's the best known church show because it's not a business show it's not for organization it's for churches but i don't want you to just be the best known church i want you to be the best known organization in your community amen amen being a digital missionary is all about stepping outside of your comfort zone and over the last few months i've been doing exactly that for the past nearly 20 years i have practiced the art of verbal communication whether it was speaking from a pulpit meeting people door to door or creating videos or podcasts for public consumption verbal communication has been my bread and butter and yet now i get to announce something that i never imagined would happen i am officially a published author that's right in the shadows i've been quietly working on a book and it's officially ready for you to enjoy. Available right now. At the time of this recording, the Empty Pews to a Million Views book is available on Amazon and Kindle for as little as 99 cents. To be honest, I don't think that this is going to be a moneymaker, but that's okay. The whole heart behind putting this information down on paper was that so more people could be equipped to grow the kingdom. So if you prefer books, consider checking out the Empty Pews to a Million Views book on Amazon. And if you enjoy it, leave a five-star rating and a book review so others might know that it's impacted your ministry.